BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy last year by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know, what were they thinking? Backroom deals. Huge amounts of money. CIA secrets. Sets off a firestorm in Washington. Affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning, it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Hi, I'm Antonia Blythe, and this is 20 Questions on Deadline. Joining me today is Alison Bree. Welcome, Allison. We got second place in my seventh grade lip sync contest for one of the songs on that album. The one that was like, you've already won me over. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. It's a very all slow. The, all the options. In spite of me. Like, what did we do? It's so slow. <laughs> Don't forget to listen to 20 Questions on Deadline. Thank you again, Allison. Thank you. Are you looking to step up to a 4K smart TV? One that gives you unparalleled clarity and picture resolution? Then we've got good news for you. Because the Vizio 65-inch V-Series 4K smart TV is now just 348. With all your favorite apps built in, you can stream straight out of the box. You can even sing along to all your favorite music and radio on the iHeartRadio app. Looking for a smaller or bigger screen? Vizio offers unbeatable prices on all V-Series 4K smart TVs. Head to Walmart.com today and score the 4K TV you've been waiting for. For a lot of people, you know, why are you waiting? You know what you want to do. This is something you want to do. Get up your butt and do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Do it. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. I'm a hustler, side, side hustler. Come on, ask about me. Yo, yo, it's the Side Hustlers Podcast with Carla Marie. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Side Hustlers podcast. I'm Carla Marie. And up until this week, we've talked to, I guess, I don't want to say everyone was young. However, compared to this week's guest, they are. (laughs) This is hilarious. So I've got my dad here. Hi, dad. How you doing, Carla Marie? So um, my dad, his name is Fred or Freddie Marie, as I like to call him. But not really. But anyway, for the purpose of this podcast, your name will be Freddie Marie. So the reason I'm talking to my dad as a side hustler, I have to give Anthony that credit, though, because in our uh, Monday Friday podcast, we were talking about my side hustlers podcast. And he said, you should talk to your dad when he he's here because he's like the OG side hustler. So I had to explain to my dad what my podcast was about because he hasn't listened yet. Dad. Yeah, well. I don't listen to you all the time. <laughs> you should be listening to me. Yeah, exactly. So um, we're going to get a little bit into what he's done over the last, I don't know, how many years have you been working for? Minimum of uh, 57. Well, the time by the time this post, you'll be a week away from turning 73. So yeah, my almost full-time job was when I was 16. Six, you had a full-time job at 16? Right after school. I, right after school, I worked uh, full-time all summer. And then when I graduated, which I was almost 18, then I worked for that gentleman full-time. 
What were you doing? Window treatments, vertical blinds, draperies. That's when verticals first started. Verticals first started? Just about. Yeah, and, so, and, and this area, they were in California before us. Well, you are close to California now. <laughs> well, I wasn't working here, though. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. By the way, my parents are visiting this weekend in Seattle. My mom's waving. She says hi. She doesn't have a microphone because we're not <laughs> we're not going to do that because it's going to get a little crazy if that happens. They're not going to do two old people at once. Not two old people at once. <laughs> okay. So, Dad, you were 16 years old. You had a job. You were doing window treatments. And for people who don't know what that is, like you said, you were hanging draperies and vertical blinds. Is that what you wanted to do forever? Is that like you turn 18, you graduate high school. I love doing this. I want to do this. I, I did enjoy it. It was different every day, different house, different windows, different window treatments. And until now, you are still doing that same job. Correct. That so, has been your most consistent job. Most consistent other than retirement. <laughs> <laughs> no, but for real, you've been doing that since you were a teenager. Yeah. Now, but that wasn't your main source of income. Uh, yes, it was six, for, for 17 years. For 17 years? Yes. Oh, I guess that's true. Okay, so for 17, I wasn't born then, so I don't know what no. was happening. So you, at the age of 20, how many kids did you have? Like, what, by what age did you have three kids? At, uh, I guess, 24? 24. You had three kids. You were still doing this job. Correct. Did you pick up any other jobs yet? At that time? Mm, no, not yet. So when you were, when you started, when Meadowlands Racetrack was, was it was opening? Is that when you? It opened up in 76, and I started working at nights with them in 77. And that's when you met Mommy? Correct. So the two of you were working there. That was your... Side hustle at the time, then? My side hustle at so the time. So your first side hustle, I guess, was working at Meadowlands Racetrack. Other than doing drapey work on the side of my own, other than working for my boss, when I did on uh, referrals. Okay, so you're working at Meadowlands Racetrack, you're hanging draperies, and then also around this time, you started your own clothing store. I opened up my own clothing store after I left the drapery guy. Okay. I worked at the racetrack and opening up the clothing store, which lasted about three years. And it was called Rich Man, Poor Man? Correct. Why <clears throat> Why clothes? Like, why did you decide to, I'm going to sell men's clothing? Oh, because I love the fashion of clothing. I was always into clothes. It's so funny. And you still he get still into is. them. <laughs> he still is. You should see what this guy wears. And he critiques everything I wear. You've always, why didn't you become like, I don't know, what are those shows? Queer Eye for the Straight Guy? What are those shows? Queer Eye for the Straight Guy. <laughs> or maybe, <laughs> maybe we'd have to flip it around. But you had a men's clothing store for three years. You opened it yourself? Correct. Did anyone else work with you or for you? Uh, I had uh, a friend help, Tommy. You didn't know Tommy. It was uh, my ex-wife's cousin. He helped me in the, when I used to work at the track at night, and he used to work at nights when I had the store open uh, on some of the evenings. So what kind of clothes did you sell? Custom-made shirts, suits, jeans, slacks, sweaters, ties. And then after three years, why did it, it went out of business, or what was happening? Uh, it was a little rough. I was going through a divorce uh, when all the malls were opening, a uh, rough area in Rutherford for parking, a little bit of everything. And by the way, this store was in New Jersey because people are listening from Rutherford, New Jersey. But I guess now you find people, they're not really opening. Some are opening brick and mortar stores. But now if you were going to do that, you would have started an online clothing store. If you were now at whatever age you were then, you wanted to do fashion and clothing. You probably would have started an online store through Instagram first, and then you would have done if, that if i know what to do with those things yeah, well, yeah. you would probably <laughs> so the clothing store fails not fails i mean you made money did you make money off of that i lived off of it for years between that and the racetrack i survived so then the racetrack i guess for how many years was it 
40 that after I end up staying with them yeah. 35 years. They ended up being my main. Uh, I mean, you you moved up. You became a manager. Like, you were. Before, that was your job. I started as a, a clerk, punching out tickets. Then I went to an office as a payroll clerk. And then I became a uh, manager. So by what age were you responsible for, like, how old were you when Ashley was born? My younger sister. Uh, what was I, 43? 40, well, no, if you were 40. Okay, so 45 probably. Yeah. So at 45 years old. No. Oh, you were 42 when I yeah, was. Yeah, uh, right. You're right. Okay. Right. Math here. So for, so by 46, you were responsible for seven children. No, the other ones were grown up uh, quite a bit. So. But you had been responsible. Yes. So you still had to be working. You knew at that point you were going to be working for a long time. Yeah. You weren't retiring anytime soon. No, You had two kids under the age of five at that age. Correct. That would be me and Ashley. Yes. That All would right. be me. Thanks. <laughs> So you were working full time at Meadowlands Racetrack. You were hanging draperies on your own on the side, and I remember I remember you having all the stuff as a kid. Right. All the tools, the books, the tools, right. the samples, the, the samples. Yeah, we'd go through. That was so cool. We'd go through them. The or the blinds ones, the ones that would like flip through. Right. So you would come home from work sometimes and then go out and do that. Correct. That yeah. was if I had a customer to go see. Yes. That was for fun or for money. For money. Well, you, but well you, I enjoyed it, but I needed. We needed the money. Because there were so many of us. While you were doing the draperies, you were still working um, racetrack. And what point did you start working at the funeral home? Uh, it's 30 years ago. So in 19, uh, not 19, but when I was uh, 43. Uh, so, it'll be almost 30 years that I'm working there. So you were working <clears throat> three jobs at the same time. Well, well the draperies weren't full time. It was when I had a yeah, customer. But- yeah, but that's still, yeah. in any given week, you could be working a 40-hour job, plus you would pick up jobs at the funeral home, and then you would... Yeah, you're literally picking them up at the funeral home. You're literally, oh yeah, well, explain what you do so people, <clears throat> people know. It's a pallbearer, meaning that uh, you take the body after it's in the casket, after the family uh, has viewed it, and it's closed, the casket, and you put it in the hearse, and you go to the church with it. And then it's brought into the church, and then we carry it into, of course, carry it into the church, and then carry it out into the back into the uh, hearse, and then it's gone. And so I'm assuming that side hustle wasn't because you enjoyed and had fun doing that one. That no, was another. No, it's not fun, but it was uh, added money. Exactly. Paid for which I paid for gas for the boat. Paid for oh yeah, stuff nah. for the pool. We don't need to eat. Just gas for the boat that he's got, which, by the way, at the time was called the Colin Marie. Hence where my Instagram name came from, so everybody knows. Look at that. Learned something today. You were not quite two years old when I got that first boat. Because I was the favorite at the time. And then Ashley was born, and I was still the favorite. Mm, we don't call you favorite. <laughs> you just know that they're going to listen to this. But it's well, true. Well, that's true. They probably will. Three jobs. And then mom, how, how many hours a week was mommy working? Same as I was for 40. Uh, well, we didn't. We think it was a little bit less than forty, wasn't it? Like 35, 37 hours a week. How did you guys because see each other? Because a lot of these people that I've talked to for side hustlers, they can do this kind of thing at home, or their significant other is doing the same type of thing, so they're out and about, and then they're home together at the same time. How did you guys have a relationship when you were actually on opposite schedules for a while? For a while, but a, lot, a good part of it, we were work together at night. Ah, uh, that's right. And that whole part. <laughs> Then we saw we were with each other in the daytime other than me not doing drapery work or the, or the funeral business. The funeral business, of course, was not every day. Otherwise, there wouldn't be any people left. But, uh, <laughs> that's how that 
came about, and then we switched. Your mom switched the days, and I worked nights. Uh, but you were on opposite schedule at that point. Correct. So we would have. I feel like we would have dinner so early. Because I had to be at work earlier. So we would have dinner. I would like come home from school, and we would have dinner, and then you'd go to work. Right. Because uh, then I became a manager, and I had to be at work earlier than normal, than a regular clerk or a teller. So when you retired, how old were you when you retired? Six years ago. Uh, Sixty-six. So you retire at 66 from your main 40-hour-a-week job. You're still doing other jobs now. Well, I'm still doing the drapery work on recommendations and referrals, and I'm still doing the funerals. Do you want to do a fashion at all? You should open another store. Uh, well, right now, I'd rather, instead of <laughs> opening a store and worrying about selling and opening and being there, and I'd rather design some clothing. I do that in my mind a lot. Okay, but what the heck? You're 72. What are you waiting for? Until I'm 73 in that a week or so. Okay, you're gonna oh, you're gonna start designing <laughs> clothing in a week. I can't wait. If you could go back to say 18 years old, what would you have done? Say you didn't have wife, didn't have kids, and you could have gone to college. What would you have studied at school? <laughs> at 18, probably girls. Damn. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. But then you can N- put put I- this on your. Uh, your little nasty show that you have. Okay. <laughs> I, this is what I deal with, just so everybody knows. I'm so happy that they're witnessing this. Okay, instead of putting yourself in 18-year-old Freddie Marie's mind right now, is there something else you wish you could have done aside from the other 15 freaking things you were doing? Maybe become a singer, but I can't sing. I'm like <laughs> you, I can't sing, but I like the do-ups. That's always, where I get it from. Like that. I so that. you like music. Huh. Correct. Interesting. Look at that. Now here I am. Not really doing doo-wop stuff, but. You should. No, I'm good. <laughs> a lot of people who I talk to for this podcast are doing what they're doing just for fun. Or not necessarily trying to do their side hustle as a, I need extra money, but it's it's a way for them to be creative or kind of, they know they want to write, so they want to get it out, get their feelings out. Your side hustles were a little different. Again, we figured out they were a lot of times to make the extra money, which not many people I've talked to are doing that yet. But doing the draperies, was that your creative? That was my most creative thing. I enjoyed having the window looking good and the people enjoying after it was finished and say it really looks good. And the suggestions I gave them, which I learned all the years of doing this, uh, whether they had to fix something, call this person, do this, do that, get this for your floor, why don't you do this color for this and that. And I enjoyed, I enjoyed that a lot. I like to see the satisfaction of the customer when I'm complete with the job. I guess that kind of can work really for anyone who's doing any, anything. Any job. Really, right. anything. One of the things you told me when I first, in my first radio job, what did you say? Do you remember the one piece of advice you gave me? About being yourself? Um, well, that was one of them. Be that you was more or... when I moved here. You said, make yourself invaluable. Well, that's right. I remember that. You're and right. that... To me, I started doing literally every job I could do at the at the station. And after two years, I had a meeting with my boss, Elvis, and he literally said the words to me, you've made yourself invaluable here. And I was like, I did it. That's right. And that's I think that's something that you taught me that's so important no matter where you are. If you don't want to get fired, 
do all the things. That's right. They can't fire you because you can do everything, or it's less of a chance for them to fire you. And I'd have to fill your shoes with more than one person. That's very important. Is that something you learned from one of your jobs? Or that was, where did the hell did you get that from? I learned that more from with the racetrack. Because if you applied yourself to everything they were putting out there, and there was some gentleman who wouldn't accept something, and I accepted and I kept doing it, whether it was training, uh, uh, talking at certain seminars, uh, and I put my, I, vote, I, I accepted every offer that was put out there, and some of the guys didn't, and that made me become an office clerk to a, to a manager. Because of the taking all of those acceptances. Yeah, when other people say no and you say yes, it raises the it puts you up so much higher. And that's actually one thing that Anthony and I say got us our morning show because in New York, he always says we picked up other people's crumbs. They would they, no, 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 I don't want to do that little thing, little thing. We picked it up, you pick up enough crumbs, you've got a big cookie or a, an entire cake at that point. That's right. And here we are with our own morning show. But I think a lot of people get so caught up, uh, they're doing this job. They don't, oh, my boss makes me do this, and I don't want to do it. Just do it. You learn from everything that you do that's different. You learn. Uh, everything, no matter what it is. When you started at the racetrack, you were, you said you were in your 40s. Correct. Late 30s, 40s. By the time you left, you were in your 60s, So, which means you've worked with people, I'm assuming by the time you left, that were the same age you were or even younger when you started. And older. True. What did you see a difference in generations of work ethic? Sure. The the older, well, first of all, the younger people in my eyes are not workers. They all they want to do is get paid. Yep. And and that you can see that in them. And in the training in them, I said to them, treat your window. That's selling. Explain tickets. what a window is. Spelling. A window is selling tickets, paramutual tickets on a for horses, horse races. For horse racing, you you make your bets at that window. I said, treat that window as if it was your business and you want everybody to come to it and you want them all to be happy, not so much you're going to punch out the right winning ticket, but you service them very nicely. So when they walk away, they want to come back to your window. And that was the best advice you can give to a clerk is treat it as your business. If you do. Well, that's really something you can say to like a salesperson. Treat your clients. Like in our office, we have salespeople who sell radio commercials. Treat your clients as if this was your specific business. Not that you're working for iHeartRadio. And you can really take that. <laughs> In any industry. Right. Treat them like they're your only client and you'll do well. But one of the things we deal with so much are, I even saw with the interns, say, at, El- at Elvis Ren in the morning show. When I started, they, I was one of them. I worked hard. But by the time I left, it was the same thing. And I was like, am I getting older? Or, and I'm at a point where I know I can work hard and they just don't know what they're doing? Or is this generation at a point where they don't want to work hard? Because you could be, you're talking about also my generation. Of course. Of course. That's what... Maybe in an oldest person's mind, they mm-hmm. see it that way, but that doesn't mean everybody, younger person, right. is not working hard. But first of all, you're, you're looking at yourself where you accomplished, and you have to also think in your mind, well, if they want to be there, they should work as hard as you did, but some of them don't want to do that. But a lot of them do do it. We're going to veer off a little bit of side hustlers. I want to talk about the participation trophies. That Have you caught up on any of that at all about how kids today, whether their team literally loses every single softball game, they get a trophy? They should not. No, they shouldn't, and I didn't, and I think my generation was one of the last generations that were like that, but you and Mommy never raised us to, oh, you're perfect. Like, you were told us we could do whatever we want, but you have to work for it, but kids now really aren't being taught like that. It's No, because they don't want them to cry or uh, affect them mentally. You lose the game, 
you don't get a trophy. You you play a little bit better, and you win, and you get the trophy. What is there to try for if everybody gets a trophy? Exactly. Well, you coached girls softball. Correct. That was I mean, when they allowed men to teach uh, to to coach girls softball. Then it became could only be women. Since when? How they did it in Linares when I was younger. Not, I mean, I had male coaches in North Arlington, different town, but they stopped it for a little while. Not that it was prejudice, just that they felt they were a little bit softer to the kids. Than but the, now yeah. that's also the same thing, though. Do you think that I don't was it right? Was wrong, right? And not that I got knocked out. I was already out of it by then because I didn't have the time to. Uh, yeah, well, with your fifteen jobs, right? And then you know you, you got to be there every every time when they got out of school. You went and practice, practice. Wasn't easy. Yeah, but that's. I mean, that's a time to teach women working with men, and also men to work with women, whether vice versa. Why not? It's a fatherly image. I didn't have any. um, I had a couple of my children on that team, and also the other general coach. He also had a daughter on that team. So it's not. And we also had a a lady uh, coach who didn't know too much about uh, softball, but she was she was very good. with the kids. Are you trying to say girls don't know sports? I didn't say that at all. <laughs> just, I wouldn't I wouldn't attempt to say that in a million years. <laughs> <laughs> just making sure. So you you literally had that. You coached and had, I mean that's not a job, but you also did that during all of this. But for participation trophies, I mean we kinda had it a little bit. We had those end of the year dinners, but you didn't get a trophy just because you signed up for cheerleading no. or signed up for football. If you sucked, you sucked. And then that's you right. wanted to win next year. Of course. But that's what makes you a better player by thriving say well i didn't do that good last year and i want to win next year well in like 10 years or less we're going to see like in the nfl and mlb all these whiny little brats that got participation trophies that's why you need vince lombardi coaches he said there's no no such thing as a good loser what does that mean that you lost you're not a good there's no such thing as a good loser you gotta win got it i thought you meant like a sore loser no good loser so if you lose, you suck. That's right. You're terrible. And he would say that to them. You, you stink. <laughs> and he was a hell of a coach. Okay. Football. When you were uh, working at the Meadowlands Racetrack, you said you trained people. Did you learn more about yourself and about your actual job by teaching other people? Of course you do. You, uh, you learn actually some of the mistakes that you've made because you're teaching them to be what the program was about. And there's some of the things you never did when you was a uh, clerk. A lot of times it's easy to do things, but when you go to explain it. In words, yes. So yeah. that's why a lot of the training that we did for clerks were, uh, was on the window for at least four or five days. And we also went out and uh, simulated betting with them with uh, fake money and actually treated them like some of the public treat some of the people, which are nasty losers at the racetrack. And some of them can get a little obnoxious. So we tried to treat them that way so they would be familiar with that happening to them when they, uh, if they received the, the job. Wow. So I didn't know you kind of I was did that. good at that part. What? Being mean to people? Yes. <laughs> okay. Let's talk a little bit about that. You're, I'm sure that your management style, I had I worked under you, I probably would have hated. You would have quit. I'm not saying that I, I need to be coddled at work. However, it's a good thing and a bad thing, I guess. You have like a no BS. Like you don't, you'll yell at somebody if they do something wrong. Correct. But Which I, was a little rough at the time because then we had a few complaints and you can't do that as a manager. Especially now. You did that now. now forget about you'd it You'd be now. fired. Yeah, be gone. But then that was a good part of the, the training for them because they're going to have to handle that with uh, when they're working on a Friday night with 20,000 people at the racetrack, yeah. screaming at them, trying to get their bets in. So they need to work under that pressure and that lifestyle. Now, why do you say I would have quit? Well, me because you couldn't handle me. You I can't could... handle me now. No, but I think because <laughs> well, you, raised... you, you raised me. can't handle me. You raised me not to deal with people like you. <laughs> well, I didn't raise you not to deal with people like me. Or to how, how to, to deal you with did. people like me. 
Or I would just say, I'm not dealing with you, sir. I quit. <laughs> goodbye. Why what? I said goodbye. Oh, goodbye. Yeah. Not what? You have headphones on. You can't even hear me. Is that you talking to me? <laughs> <laughs> By the way, we also just found out this weekend that my dad is somewhat allergic to cats. Oh, my God. How do Which you... I never was in my life. How do you go 72, almost 73 years not being allergic, and now you are? It's probably a little bit of Seattle. Oh, Seattle. Yeah, right. Beautiful weather. You know, <laughs> snows in spring. Well, it's like us. We It snowed in Jersey. I don't know what's happening here. I really <laughs> don't. But you said you met when you were hanging draperies. That's when you would see cats, other people's cats. That's how you knew you, you weren't allergic, apparently. I worked in the homes with all kinds of pets. Got bitten by a dog. Uh, Working, and I opened up the ladder. Dog bit me in a lake. You know. When you had the um, draperies and you were doing them on your own, did they? You had a name for that or no? It was my name. The it business. Just, it was just your name. It was the business, right? That was before websites. Oh, definitely. So how you said word of mouth is how people right. found out about you. Well, I worked in your house and I did your window treatments. And so many friends come to visit you and say, "Oh, your window looks nice. Who did it?" And then you would say, "Who did it?" And then give them, "Oh, can I get their his phone number or that person's phone number?" And you would give it out and. They would call me. How many houses do you think you've worked in? In all the years you're talking about when I was 16, I want to say 20,000, 30,000 homes easily. 30,000 homes? I think you're a little off there. You actually flew somewhere to hang, didn't you? I flew to Oshkosh, Wisconsin. Why did they fly you? Because the store that we were doing the drapery work for, the decorators were doing, selling them the furniture and also decorating their windows to decorate it. So the gentleman I work for was their workroom for the window treatments. Of course, we had to go out there, fly out there, measure, and then go back there and hang it, bring your tools, bring everything. Went to Detroit. I've gone to Florida. To hang draperies. To hang draperies. It's crazy because if I guess if you were doing that now, you would have like this online store and you would have a website and you... Could be national, or you could travel. Could. You could be a famous drapery hanger, for all we know. I, I could be. I am. What do you mean I could be? Well, like, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I can't compare your work to other people's work, because one, I don't have an eye for that. I don't, like, I see it, oh, that's pretty, I don't think much of it, because that's just not, not you. how my brain works. But I guess in that world, do you think you are better or the best when it comes to that kind of stuff? Or are there people out there that are... There's a lot of good people out there. I'm not the best at uh, window styling. There's a lot of good people with a lot of good ideas. Some of them are just the ones that come up with the ideas and the styling of the windows don't know the aspect of the insulation. So they should know that also because they think they can just design something and just hang it up. It's sometimes the de- uh, designing is cannot be installed. Well, it's very meticulous, too, what you're doing. Very. Uh, and you got to make sure that, yeah, what you're doing because you're drilling and people's walls and their woodwork and you don't want to destroy their home either well you're not exactly the gentlest person either oh well and one of the things i want to end on get closer to the microphone please yes there miss we know that you're never going to work in radio that's one one side hustle you're never going to have one of the things i want to end on i I tell people this story all the time when you met mommy and she knew that you you hung draperies and she told her brother my (laughs) uncle what did he tell mommy about a man who hangs draperies that is not a man he said, "Any man? What did he say, Mom? Whatever man hangs, whatever man hangs draperies, he's got to be gay. Any man who hangs draperies has got to be gay." And you want me to comment on that? Well, I, I mean, we know. That. <laughs> I hope that you're not. Don't let my podcast be the time when you tell all of us that. No. You are. I'd say just overall, you are the least feminine person I know. You're obnoxious. You're loud. You're whatever. All of that lovely stuff. However, you love picking out clothes. You wear specific, like, detailed clothes. You always have your little pocket square. He has a billion freaking shoes. He's got more closet 
space than my mom does. He had a clothing store. Uh, what else is there? The draperies, all that you have. Your all like your side hustle and your creative mind, I guess, is pretty feminine. I guess to do window treatments, your mind has to be a little bit. I've I've been told that uh, by a couple of friends that lady friends say that you're you got that's the feminine side of you doing the windows treatment. But when your mother wants to know something about what she's wearing or we like the she'll say to me, What do you think about this? and takes my opinion. She does. You buy her you buy her all of her not all of her clothes. I'm not she's looking at me like I'm crazy. For a holiday, like Christmas, birthdays, you buy her outfits. I try them on first, then I <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> Ending on that. <laughs> well, Dad, thanks for hanging out. Thank you very much. Talking to you, Brett. Appreciate it. Love you. Love you. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Does money stress you out? Let FACET flip your financial chaos into clarity. Finding FACET immediately put us at ease. FACET's innovative approach to financial planning ensures your money works as hard as you do, enabling members to experience the joys of having your finances in order. That makes us FACET for life now, I guess. (laughs) Visit FACET.com, F-A-C-E-T.com to learn more. This ad is sponsored by FACET. FACET Wealth is an SEC-registered investment advisor. This is not an offer to buy or sell securities, nor is it investment, legal, or tax advice. These testimonials are from current FACET members who are not compensated. All opinions are their own and not a guarantee of a similar outcome. CNN Underscore's Guide to Sleep has tons of recommendations for products that can help you get the best night's sleep ever. All right, let's face it. Most of us have had trouble falling or staying asleep at some point. And there are a lot of products and hacks claiming to be the solution to our sleepless nights. That's why the CNN Underscore team spend hundreds of hours testing products to find the ones that can make a huge difference in the quality of your slumber. Visit Underscore.com now for our ultimate guide to getting better sleep. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it going to like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. 